On this Laetare Sunday, the Church bids us rejoice because we're halfway through Lent and the Feast of Easter draws near. So this evening, I just want to talk briefly about one reality in our Christian worship that helps us to rejoice, and that is our bells. Bring out our joy. Before I go into that, it's good to remind ourselves of a very fundamental Catholic principle that underlies all of our sacramental worship. And that is a statement by the church father, Tertullian of Carthage. He died in the third century, was a priest from North Africa. And the phrase that he's most known for is that one. The flesh is the hinge of salvation. Sounds very nice in Latin. I'm not showing off, I'm not that good in Latin, but cardo, cardo, salutis. Has a nice rhythm to it. And essentially what it means is that we appropriate salvation through our bodies, through our flesh. And it's these bodies with all of their senses that allow us to experience this gift of God that has been brought to us in Christ Jesus, salvation. So that's why we use water and oil and fire and bread and wine, all of the material things of this world as part of our worship to God, because those realities permeated by God's grace are worthy to be brought up into our act of praise to the creator of all things. So keep that in mind as we look at the sacramental of bells. They tell us the first sound we hear as human beings is the heartbeat that the child hears in the womb of his or her mother, which is why they believe the drum was so popular in the most ancient religions because it made present that rhythmic pounding and beating that human beings were always accustomed to since their conception. And so the drum became something that was used to call people, to summon them, to uh, communicate, to express realities that sometimes words couldn't even capture. And then from the drum, the next evolutionary stage is the bell, because that allowed a communication to extend to a wider circle of people. It could be adjusted tone-wise, volume-wise, size-wise, and it became the great vehicle that, throughout the Middle Ages especially, would be a source of unity, as it still is today. For us, as Catholic Christians, whenever we look at things we use, we always see where they are in the Bible. Now, the Bible is very scarce on references to bells. It neither forbids them nor condemns or um, requires them. In Psalm 100, we're told to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That doesn't have to be with bells. Uh, It can be our singing, our other instruments. But the one direct reference we have to bells in the Old Testament is that they were to be sewn on the hem of the high priest. As you see on his bottom garment, 
tiny little bells were put in the hem because as he entered the Holy of Holies, it was a way to signal to God that he was coming in. And it was believed that these bells also were used to ward off demons and evil spirits. That was something that a number of ancient religions believed. Then in Christian worship, we see the bell coming in around 400 AD. It was first introduced by this Bishop Paulinus. And then in 604, the Pope sanctioned its use, both in the context of the Eucharist, but also the exterior bells that would call people to prayer, that would announce special emergencies or events, marriages, canonizations, coronations. And in the Middle Ages, bells just flourished in churches all throughout Europe. Today, bells still call us to worship. We don't need them as we once did because we all have watches now, but they mark the hours. They notify people when it's time to gather. They toll for the dead. Three times a day, they announce the Angelus at six and noon and six. And you see a very famous painting of a couple in the field. When the Angelus would signal at noon, everyone would pause and pray. The De Profundus is a time at night, usually around 9 o'clock, when the bell tolls to commemorate all the faithful departed. So it was a beautiful way to signal the importance of remembering the dead. And in all of this, what the bells did was unite the community. We can say there's a theology to bells, what do bells say about God? Again, it goes back to that sacramental understanding we have that visible things communicate invisible things, grace. Now, in the case of a bell, we would say an audible sign of an inaudible grace, which is why the bell was called the Vox Dei, the voice of God. That was especially true in monastic communities. Because when the bell would toll, it would summon the nuns or the monks to times of prayer. And in all of that, it kept a Christian community united because it could be heard at such a distance. Let's look at our bells. That is the oldest bell from the original church. It was cast probably around 1924, and you see it's being brought out, or I should say brought down from the tower on the day it went to Cincinnati to be refurbished. Unlike the other bells, it's not made of bronze, it's iron. So its quality is not as elegant, nor will the sound be, but it is from the original church. The next bell, it's that small one, way up there. My little toy here. That one. That was a gift to the parish from St. Procopius Abbey. It was cast in 1890. And it has a very pleasant sound. I don't know why the Abbey gave it up. It's got three already, but that one was a gift 
to the parish from the monks. This is the medium-sized bell, and that, along with the larger one, came from St. Wenceslaus Church in Chicago. And when the church was raised, the bells were sold to the sisters at Sacred Heart Monastery, and they didn't have a tower in which to put them. They offered them to the monks, but they already had them, so they sold them to St. Joan of Arc Parish in 1976 when this new church was erected, and both bells were sold for $2,000. Can you imagine that? You couldn't even buy the chain today for that. Now, what's interesting about this bell and the next one, because they're from um, Bohemian, uh, a Bohemian community, there's a lot of writing on there, I believe, probably either in Old Slavonic or Czech. Uh, when they come back, I want to have somebody translate that. So if anybody here is an expert in those languages, we could use your assistance. But that and the next bell, which is the largest, are very, very fine bells, I'm told. So of all of them that we have, those are really quite exquisite, and we're blessed to have them. That one weighs over a ton, and um, it was cast in 1884. Now, you know where those were once located, right above the entrance there to the church, and they could be quite deafening if you were ever under them when they rang. So the previous pastor disconnected them, and they... They sat there silent, and it's a very good thing we removed them because bells only hang so long, and God forbid that should have ever fallen on somebody, unless it was somebody you wanted to fall on. <laughs> it certainly wouldn't be the pastor, would it? But um, the newest bell, we, now we have a fifth one, and you can't see it too well there. You can contrast the size. That's the largest. That's the smallest now. That was from Wheaton, given to the Abbey, which gave it to the Heritage Society of Lyle, which has given it back to us. So we have a fifth bell, and I believe we're the only church in the diocese, except for the cathedral, that has or that will have five bells. That's what our new tower will look like. So it's going to be in the north parking lot, in that island, between the two lights. So you'll see the fenced-in area there. They've already laid the foundation. The one difference is that that large bell is going to go in the center, as opposed to where it is now. But I think people knew for years I was always hoping that we could refurbish those and relocate them and use them, because a bell is a sacred thing. In the old ritual, a bell was literally baptized. So it was washed with water, anointed with oil, oil of the sick. Interesting. Why that? Because it was believed that when the bell rung, the sound would connect the sick who were in the hospitals and the homebound. It would connect them to the worshiping community. So you see how the bell is a unifier. And so the oil of the sick was traced on the outside and the sacred chrism placed inside. And then as the final part of that blessing ritual, uh, a vessel of incense was put under there 
because the, the sound of the bell was to be understood as prayer. Again, it's sacramental. Material things reveal immaterial things. So that will be our bell tower that uh, will be here by Easter, Holy Week. So two weeks ago, I went to the company that refurbishes bells. It's called the Verdon Company. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's the only company in the country that makes bells and clock towers and refurbishes and does anything you can ask for with regard to bells. And they have done this for 180 years. It was something that has been passed on from uh, throughout the family. So that's me standing outside the company with the, one of the owners uh, who's been very active in the design of our own bell tower. Just a very delightful man. And I was talking to him at, at length about bells now, um, thinking that his work is probably suffering because of COVID, and because churches don't seem to be as interested in bells as they once were. Just the opposite. They have a waiting list. Business is booming. And I said, well, from the Protestants? (laughs) He said, no, the Catholics. Because, you know, when you think about it, we're the only church in Naperville, except for St. Peter and Paul, that has bells. Margaret Mary doesn't. Thomas the Apostle, Holy Spirit. For some reason, they did not put bells when they constructed their new church. But he said Catholic churches are growing, especially in the South. And they're all putting bells in. So we are in very good company. So he took us for a great tour inside the factory. And that large thing there is... um, cauldron in which the bronze is melted. So it comes in big chunks and they put it in there and they melt it and you can see the wheel where he would turn it into a mold and then fashion it into the bell that it's designed to be. The next there, that thing is the tower that's going to be outside. So you see it's very large. It's got a roofed uh, sloped top there that will be covered appropriately, of course. There will be lights inside so that it illuminates the bells and, um, of course, the electrical mechanisms that will make the bells work. That's another view of it right there. It's a skeletal structure. And there I am inspecting, making sure he's doing things exactly the way we want them, (laughs) offering a few pointers where necessary. The next is another scene of the factory, and you can see these are our bells down there, the ones that have been refurbished. The next picture gives us a better view of those. So there's the largest one down there. That's the original church bell, uh, the medium bell, and the one that was from the abbey. So they'll all look relatively new, with the exception of the original bell, which is painted because it's iron, but it will blend very nicely with it. And I had to make sure it sounded right, so there I am (laughs) pulling it. Uh, It it sounds very beautiful and very loud. So I'm hoping our neighbors across the street 
won't be upset at 7.25 Sunday morning when five bells go ring. Because unlike the former bells that were stationary and there was a clapper inside that hit, these bells are going to swing, which is really the best way for a bell to work because the sound goes through there and then shoots out. This Verdon Company, as I say, makes bells throughout this country and even throughout the world. And standing there is our parishioner, Alex Gervasio, who's our youth director. He went with me. And that is the largest swinging bell in the world, which this company made, and which is in Cincinnati. So we've got Alex there to show the, uh, the size compared to himself. And they did ring it for us. And when it rings, it makes a beautiful, deep, rich tone that all of Ohio could hear. So I tell you all of this to, I hope, excite you about this project that is nearing completion. It was all because of the generosity of of one parishioner who knew that I was hoping to get the bells. And One night he took me out for supper, and he said, are your wedding bells ringing? I said, I hope not. (laughs) The abbot hopes not. But he said, no, are the bells ringing? I said, no, you know they aren't. And he said, I would like to make that happen. And I told him the cost. And um, he wrote me a check the next day because I said, I'm going to call you in the morning just to make sure I really heard you correctly tonight. (laughs) And then I told um, Sister Carolyn of Blessed Memory because when she was told this last time she had cancer and it would be terminal she bargained with God which is, you know, if you know sister she's not above doing that and she told God, I will accept this if you do two things for me one, if you help my community of sisters as they're winding down that they can graciously move into the next phase of their life she said, and if you will get the bells for St. Joan of Arc Two months after she told me that is when I had dinner with his donor. Two months. And he wants to remain anonymous. But on her deathbed, sister said, Okay, I got you those bells. I want to know who the donor is. So knowing she didn't have long for this world, I told her. And she almost rolled out of the bed. It's surprising sometimes where gifts come from. So this is part of the blessing that, or blessing prayer that will be used. I'm hoping we will have the bells the week before Holy Week. I intend to bless them after the 11:30 Mass on Palm Sunday. They have to be on the ground for that, and then during the week they'll be installed in that new arch. And then on Easter Sunday, they will ring for the first time to announce the resurrection of Christ. How fitting this is. So I just want to run through that prayer, and, and you see how it picks up on the theology of the bell. 
Lord, from the beginning of time, your voice, see the bell, the voice, the Volk's day, has invited us into communion, because that's what bells do. They keep us in communion. They unite us. And they call us to these events like Mass, where we renew and celebrate the history of salvation. May the sound of these bells call us to prayer and give you praise. By this blessing, accept these bells into your service. May their voice direct our hearts to you and draw us together as a church to experience the presence of Christ, to listen to your word, offer you our prayers, and in both joy and in sorrow, be friends to one another. Amen. If a bell can do all of that, We have five. (laughs) What a blessing we've been given.